Um, he can hear somebody uh, struggling for air um, and sees next to the island chopping block uh, in this kitchen is a woman in a wheelchair, though he's not sure how he knows it was a woman. The face and body were grossly disfigured by injuries. She had no legs, only one arm. A horrifying scar shut one eye. The other eye looked at me. It gleamed a brilliant blue. I think I knew right then because the hair on the back of my neck stood on end. But the password is given. Um even though this person's lips can barely move and their voice is like a scrape, um, but strangely animated. But he has this moment of relief um, and thinks this is a disguise that someone is using just to talk to him. And this woman then reveals herself as Rachel, um, identifiable by the sprig of dulled golden hair and the reckless vitality still shining in her one eye. It sounds like Cassie said you were dead. And I do like this. Like, she moves her wheelchair up to him and, like, stops just an inch away. And it's described as aggressive, which is, like, close but not quite, which does feel like an incredibly Rachel thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, absolutely. you thought they could kill me? <laughs> <laughs> and I do like that the neck, like, Jake falls to his knees, like, and he wants to ask, like, okay, why haven't you morphed? Repair the damage. Apparently he's afraid of the answer. You're afraid of the fucking plot hole. Can't acknowledge <laughs> the plot hole. Um, <laughs> but I do like that the first thing we hear from Rachel is we don't do pity. This mm -hmm. is business. Mm -hmm. um, Jake's trying to figure out why Cassie lied to him. But she gives him instructions. Um uh, uh, that there's something in the New York Library, which is apparently abandoned now, because that's a great use of resources. Uh, <laughs> but that Jake's going to need to lose his tail, but to get there, and gives him instruction, like detailed instructions on how to get there. And uh, Jake's like, for what? And <laughs> just the results of we don't do questions. <laughs> um, Somebody bursts into the kitchen and because of like the countertops, can't see uh, Rachel in her chair. Um, and it's just this author's like, explain your position. Um, and he's like, I wanted more salsa. The tacos are bland. Um, and then he's just like, get the sauce and bring it to my table. <laughs> You're right. The tacos stink. <laughs> just. <laughs> uh, just an off having opinions on tacos <laughs> is just mwah, very good but also that's um, more great jake characterization of like him being able to think mm. of a lie yeah so mm. quickly yeah mm -hmm. and um and rachel's like yeah but now at least right okay so you know who you've got to lose um, and he's like, how am I going to know that I've got to the right place? And she's just like, you'll know, uh, with an undercurrent of the old enthusiasm. Um, believe me, you'll know. And we get like, a nice, uh, don't let us down. It's not just our freedom in the balance. It's life itself. Um, going to get a little touch of ableism there from Jake as, uh, he, um, I wish I could say it didn't bother me to look at the mess Rachel had become, but it did. 
and in my mind her wounds chronicled my failures as a leader. Which is just bleh. Bad yeah. to read. Yeah. Um but he has a place to be. He for some reason can't morph. Uh he figures he's too stressed out or too hungry or whatever. But we do get this pretty dope ass um it's not quite a chase sequence, but of uh Jake shaking this tail and mm-hmm. which is pretty damn well written, frankly. Like and how he um I I don't know if what the game is called uh, in the states, but like that playground game of like somebody faces away and people have to creep up behind you, and when you turn round, everyone has to freeze. Red light, green light. Huh. There you go. Um, but I'm glad you knew that because I did not. <laughs> um. <clears throat> I mean, when we play here, it's like, what's the time, Mister Wolf? Don't know why that's the name either. But, <laughs> mm, um, but he cottons, he's able to turn around at one point fast enough to see the off before they dim their lights, their eye lights. So he knows how many that are following him. It's sort of where they are, but he takes off and figures that um, even though he's able to sort of start shaking them off, that he's going to have to change the uh, footing and he uh, dives into a storefront and like we have this weird moment in a in a book filled with weird moments <laughs> uh, after he dives through a busted uh, storefront uh, he starts falling through a black hole in the floor like Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. um, and lands um on top of a tree. Yeah, this hearing children singing. The the this part I granted was <clears throat> reading this at three AM <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and also after a whole bottle of wine. Um oh, that'll, that'll, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I had to read this like seven times. I was like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Yeah. He literally falls through a hole in the floor. Like, full-on Alice in Wonderland mode, can hear kids singing, like, they're sort of, sort of like, chanting, chanty sort of group singing, um, but it's this joyful kid singing, um, flying through the sky, full of stars, nowhere to slow down, warm by the moon and lands, um, oh no, he la- he doesn't land on the tree, he lands on soft grass, um, and next to him is this massive tree, he describes it as, um, looking like it's a baobab tree mm-hmm. um, that's just full of kids singing, swaying, having a good time. Uh, mostly Which, human, in the tree. In the yeah. tree, including Andalites. Yeah. Don't, th- don't think about it. <laughs> How the Andalites got in the- Maybe they're like the goats that can climb. <laughs> <laughs> just because we've never seen an Andalite climb a tree, it doesn't mean they couldn't if they really wanted to get up. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> but yeah. That mineral. Yeah, apparently. Like, you think grass is good, wait till you put your hooves on some fucking tree leaves. <laughs> it's the good shit. Um... 
But yeah, a bunch of kids singing in a tree, having a great time. There's a couple of uh, orf kids and an, even a Liren child. Um, but they stop when he shows up. Um, or maybe it's the end of the song. Can't tell. But there's some uh, adults nearby. Um, not in the coloured suits of the Yoke Metropolis, but like loose-fitting linen-coloured tunics. Uh, so you know that they're like a hippie commune vibe because they're wearing white <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Or a cult. Or a cult. Um, but they have dragon beams, uh, even though they aren't, don't have a vibe of being used too often. Um, but there's, again, humans, a single orf, adult andalites. Um, but we get uh, this teacher of some kind who's just like clearly happy and just says up to the kids, good, good, good job, kids. Now it's a meeting. We get this uh, talk about freedom, um, which is which is genuinely quite nice. And the kids get to start sharing their art. Um, and then this woman comes over and Jake right says, where am I? What is this place? Are you free? <laughs> She's like, yes, did Cassie send you? Well, no. I mean, I don't know. I just fell through a hole in the floor and the floor doesn't open up for just anyone. Cassie must want you to learn. Dream logic. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, Cassie sent a hole in the floor to, to <laughs> swallow you up so you could come hang out and sit here the kids sing. Cause we, <laughs> you're having a really shit time in this horror future scape scenario we've concocted. So we want you to have a nice moment. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's revealed like these, um, all the young adults are in the EF because they've been the ones saved so far. Uh, there are elders and the, um, we elders and the children that we teach. Um, and it's explained because, you know, this, this future scenario wasn't upsetting enough. This is where we find out that the Yerks have started, um, raising children, um, yeah. like s- livestock. Not only are controllers like picked at random to procreate, um, but the kids are taken to one of these warehouses and they're held from birth to age 15. Um, their lives are controlled through their brains, though their brains are left uninfested because children are seen as weak and unworthy host bodies. They're fed to be growth so they'll grow up healthy. Um, they are exercised, um, but any instincts of being normal children are punished. If they try to educate themselves, they're punished. Um, because Yerks want powerless minds. So they raise children in a joyless, lifeless world where they wait for the day of infestation. The year fights to free them. When they are freed, which is far more seldom than I can bear to think, they come here. Ignore the fact that it just said it's a 15 year process and it's only been like 12 years. Again, <laughs> the logic isn't important here, clearly. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe no kids have aged out. Like, that's the plan, but kids just haven't aged yeah. out yet. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, and Jake's just like, these kids don't seem traumatized. <laughs> for having been like rescued from one of these warehouses and also they're not all human children and she's just like oh yeah well we've been lucky <laughs> very yeah, few have been broken down beyond repair this is a place of joy it helps that we don't talk about the what they call wamps or wumps which i assume is warehouse camp 
Mm. I guess we live simply. We teach and cultivate. We hope little trad wifey vibes, just like mm, really, what kids need to do is not play with electronic devices and being allowed to run around outside, just like a yeah. <laughs> um, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> when when I read this bit about like, oh yeah, we've been very lucky that they're not traumatized. I was like, <laughs> it it seems to me that. Ellen was like writing all of this because it kind of makes sense. Mm. And then she realized just how dark this was. And she was like, mm-hmm. oh, I better. Uh... No, yeah, they've been very lucky. <laughs> because, uh, you know, when you raise a child in that kind of environment where you just don't give them any kind of enrichment, they get fucked up turns out yeah, like there's lots of like historical cases and studies about what happens like when children experience like this kind of emotional neglect even if all their mm-hmm. physical needs are being met this is how you get fucked up people <laughs> yeah um which it makes but, sense for this to be a thing that the yurks do because the yurks don't absolutely. fucking care absolutely uh, if you just need a healthy body and a mind that's easy to control yeah, mm-hmm. nah. Upsettingly solid strategy. Very eugenicsy of you. Good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, now we've got to meet a kid called Justice. Um, because the elders insist on giving us giving them concept names, and I'm just like, somebody just like fucking tieflings in D and D, and that's okay. Who <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like tieflings in D and D? Um, but how there's a kid called Liberty. There's a another kid called Storm. And clearly he thinks adults are fucking weird. Um, Mood. This kid Justice is great, <laughs> to be clear. He's great. He shares his painting with Jake, which is like this real cool, like expressionistic looking favorite angular city of fog, uh, this diagonal demarcation, a cloudless blue skied landscape. And he, and just like the, how there's this thin line going from the good side to the bad side. Um, and he's like, "Do you like it, Jake? It's great. Uh, you're really good at drawing. Is that how you got here? Did you escape up the road? Not you too," he said with mild frustration. The elders are always telling me I paint allegories, whatever they are. I'm working on my impressions and fears. They say, but I'm just painting what I want. <laughs> okay. Do you get to fly bug fighters? Nope. <laughs> but you get to play just like this little cute little fanboy kid. Um, just. This adorable little boy. He's just very good. He's great. He's very but good. But we have we have this interaction between them because obviously there has to be a point to this. Jake has to learn mm-hmm. a lesson here. Um, because Justice talks about how he's gonna go back and free all his friends he had to leave behind because they're prisoners and he's gonna save them. And Jake's just like, war doesn't always let you save the people you know. Uh, you might end up being assigned to a different mission that saves people far away from home, people you don't know, other people's friends. And Justice just shakes his head and just like, I'll save my friends first, then I'll save other people's friends. Um, and then just like, oh yeah, now you need to come over here and uh, go back up the tree. Uh, or go <laughs> through a door that just appears in the tree. Because mm-hmm. otherwise Jake's going to be late. And then he gets pushed through his door, turns around, and now it's just in a park in Bryant Park, mm-hmm. having just stood next to an oak tree. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah, it, it's fine. You 
he is right near the library. So he he's lost his tails, so he goes to the library. Um just as he's going up the steps, uh another view of the old hawk Tobias um swooping by him. Uh and he goes inside, goes, you know, through the stacks, finds the spot where he's supposed to wait, uh, and then an Andalite steps out. A strapping Andalite, coarse blue fur drawn tight over battle-ready muscles, swiveled graceful stalk eyes to rest on me. Jake. The thought-speak voice was mind-filling, gentle and tough, wise, inspiring, terrifying, familiar. He looked just as he did the night his spacecraft crashed in the construction site, the night my life changed forever. By comparison, my voice sounded puny and forlorn, swallowed up by the vaulted chamber. Elfangor. The Andalite shifted on his hooves and trotted nearer, his, st his stature breathtaking. He was powerful and well-proportioned. You have followed our instructions. I'd seen Elfangor murdered with my own eyes, yet here he stood. Could he be the leader of the EF, mastermind of a terrorist campaign against Yurk control? I was incredulous, but at this point, anything seemed possible. The EF certainly is a first force to be reckoned with, I said. It sounds as though you question our tactics. Action is the surest path to change, no question there. But you would fight them differently? Sabotage and terrorist offensive make you morally uneasy. You want a better way. What I want is to go home. Too much for you? Alfangor was an awesome presence. I'd be lying to say he didn't intimidate me some. But I was a leader, too. I saw the fight for Earth as more mine now than his. I wanted to be respectful of him, but in my view, he'd made a giant mistake with the terrorist campaign. I had to call him on it. No, I want to go home so I can keep all this from happening in the first place. If this is the future, I want to go back. I can stop the Yerks without sacrificing my friends, without botching the war and bumbling into your brand of terrorism and half-freedoms. I can stop them before we sacrifice the very things we're fighting for. Elfangor laughed in my mind. Victory without sacrifice? You know better than that. You don't have to give up your principles to win. Isn't there always an alternative to sacrifice if you just keep your mind clear, step back, and see it end? You know better than that. The repetition stung. How did he know I was just talking big? It was like he was inside my head, rifling through my personal file of fears and mistakes. Now I was angry. It's all your fault, I said suddenly, surprising myself. I always thought of you as a hero, Elfangor, a leader. But the truth is, you couldn't see another way out. You sentenced us to hardship, pain, and suffering. We were kids. You made us question every value we ever learned. You had no right to heap that weight on us, huge and impossible. You used us. That's interesting coming from you, Jake. The voice changed as he said my name. Suddenly, he didn't sound like Elfangor anymore. The Andalite arrogance was gone, leaving only the voice of a man, a human, Familiar and unfamiliar. Let me guess what comes next, the new voice said. You didn't ask for leadership, right? You didn't ask to make the tough calls, plan the missions, decide how to use your small but loyal force, how and when to put them in harm's way, risking their lives. 
You're blameless. The role was thrust upon you. Well, I don't buy it, Jake. Every choice is yours. Always has been. You were and are free. Tobias. Yeah. You know I morphed Axe a long time ago. I decided to stay in this morph. Axe's body has aged ten years. It's a dead ringer for Elfangor, isn't it? But Elfangor's dead, Jake. Of course. And so are you. My throat tightened, my skin tingled. What? My mind seized on his words, pulled and prodded them, turned and shook them. Dead? Then how could I be free? Ten years ago tonight, Tom put it all together. He came into your room and murdered the leader of the Animorphs. Rather than let Visser Three know that one of the notorious Andalite bandits had gone undetected for so long, right under his nose, Tom ended your life, your own brother. But I'm here! I looked down at my hand, pink tan flesh under the light of the reading lamp. Knuckles, nails, veins, bones. Alive. Real. Yes, you're here, but not alive. What was this? It all converges tonight. Battles, struggle, strategy. Tonight is the decisive moment. The Chrysler Building Moonray is ready for use. They're powering it up as I speak, running through the checklist, applying your hundreds of hours of calculations. No, 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 I'm not a scientist. You are, you were, or rather, you will be. It all rests on you. You're the only one. Only you can make this shot miss. Get there, Jake. Alter the programming. Make it miss. Even a tenth of a percent will do the job. This is the decisive moment. Do you understand? Use whatever means necessary. If I make the shot miss, the moon will explode and doom millions. The greater good, Jake. The big picture. For God's sake, don't get stopped by details. Permanent Candrona. Failure means an earth that is at last irrevocably yerk. But what about Cassie? Marco has her. There's no time. She's prepared to die with honor. Couldn't you send someone else to save her? One of your people? I pleaded, indignant at his dismissal of her life. Tobias shrugged. No one to spare. I won't let her die. Save one or save many. The choice wasn't so hard for you at the Ragson building when you left Marco and Rachel to save themselves. I couldn't answer that. This is war, Jake. Sacrifices must be made. He turned abruptly and walked across the room. Alter the moon ray or save Cassie. One or the other. Or neither. Not both. I love this scene. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's good shit. <clears throat> uh, I love so much that Jake gets to, at least in some small way, tell Elfangor off and be like, no, you gave this to literal children. Mm -hmm. uh, what was I supposed to do? Uh, and Tobias just taking Axe's form because he wants to honor him, his Shorm, and also, like, honor his family and his promises to Elfangor, and being able to perfectly imitate an Andalite voice, and him, as he always does, Tobias calls Jake the fuck out on his leadership. Um, and 
the the almost vindictiveness of well now you have now it's not you're not choosing for someone else's love to die you're choosing your own and can you make that decision uh and it's it's so much it's good it's good shit I do like also at that point the pretense is all good. It's just like, yeah, no, nah, you died. Wait, no, what? It's just like, mm, no, nah, yeah, you've died. Never. <laughs> just like. But you here. <laughs> to be clear, he also saw an old red tailed hawk outside just before coming into the library as well. Just to be mm-hmm. clear, um, this is not operating on dream logic. Uh, this is not operating on real world logic. This is. <clears throat> this is like Jake's guilt manifesting. Because, uh, like, to have mm-hmm. Tobias explicitly say, oh, well, in this instance, the, you are happy to let Marco and Rachel fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. But also, like, would you have done it if it was Cassie? Mm-hmm. Stuck in there. It's just, mm. Yep. It's good. But hey, now we get another weird little logic jump, time skip. Um, but we do get some fantastic introspection from Jake, um, mm-hmm. like running out of the library through the like the cavernous halls, uh, th- out through the park, um, like contending with the fact that the reality is wrong, that there is no mission. Uh, that's worth sacrificing Cassie's life. Running from Tobias, from Elfangoran Axe, from friends who'd ceased to exist. As leader of the Animorphs, I would put the mission first, the mission as a whole. But what was my mission? What made the world worth more? Sheer volume, the future, the common good. Detachment, you idiot. The last battle we'd fought together, Marco and Rachel inside. Lose everyone or just two? A door closing, securing their destiny. Guilt tore at me with scratching, ripping claws. I'd set the example. I was to blame for Cassie's hardness and Tobias's indifference. And he's running and shouting apologies out to the sky. And there's no one to hear him. Tobias was wrong about war. What good is it if people are forgotten along the way? If one girl in one million girls is scarred and hardened, changed forever? What good? Only yurks freely give their own to see a job completed. I wasn't a yurk. Um, and he's still running. Gets shot out with Dragonfire. Marco's men still after him. This time he's able to morph. Um... He morphs into uh, his falcon morph and uh, sort of strips his way out of the suit and heads up into the sky Um, from here. And hey, we get that fun detail of um, the tears being gone because, you know, birds don't cry. Mm -hmm. Um, At least not in animals. And him taking in everything, taking in the city. Um... 
Every detail of the city surged into focus with raptor sight and the mind, simple but keen, focused on the task, no swells of emotion, no unanswered questions. Higher and higher still. He can see uh, penthouses, um, crowds of humans and adolites gathered around all these different um, yerk falls, like little small private ones. And again, higher still. A free soul above a city of slaves. Millions that were mine to save. Cassie. Justice would save his friends first. But Justice was a kid. Hey, Jake. <laughs> hey, Jake, you're, you're 14 years old. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he just needs a hug. This poor baby. Yeah, he really does. He needs somebody to take away all of this from him. Because he shouldn't have to deal with it. Also, honestly, I don't feel like he would give it up. Mm. Because, like, as much as he hates this responsibility, I I feel like part of him still enjoys this, as stressful and demanding as it is. He's had plenty of opportunities to just fucking walk away. They all have. Is that we've talked before a little bit in previous episodes about duty and mm-hmm. what it means. And part of me thinks like Jake like um you're saying enjoys being leader because this way nobody else has to do it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because if he's doing it, he's saving his friends from it. Um, in the same way that Cassie thinks she knows best in certain situations and takes weight on herself because she doesn't want other people to have to, I'm now thinking about a certain two dumb kids and looking at them across the fucking ether. Um, but that notion of, well, it's okay if I suffer. So long as my friends don't suffer, I'm happy. That's the way it should be. I'm strong enough or whatever. And even mm. in your moments of doubt, you go, well, at least my friends aren't going through this mm-hmm. because I'm protecting them. And I do think there is a sort of like, that has got to be validating. Just like I am keeping my friends safe. I am doing what needs mm-hmm. to be done. I am doing the right thing. And even if it's not like, and I am a hero, mm-hmm. um, we haven't spent a lot of time in Jake's headspace when he isn't dealing with a fuck ton of other stuff um, since he had, there was that offhand conversation, like, he does think about a life after the war, or he did, mm-hmm. and like, does he still at this point? And it's just, it's so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like we've seen him like react badly when people uh, try to undermine his authority. He's like, "Yeah, bitch, I'll I'll play you. I know how to be a prince," in the Adelaide sense. <laughs> like, eh, I know what I'm doing. Um. Uh, I, oh, there's um. I've not seen the movie, but I've seen the moment gift, 
um, I think it's Voyages of the Dawn Treader movie or the one, no, the one before it, the Prince Caspian movie, where Edmund's talking to these guys, uh, cause Peter can't be there. And, uh, they're like trying to talk down to him. It's just like, <clears throat> actually, and it's just like, yeah, no, I'm king too. Okay. And it's just like that effortlessness. Um, cause as much as Jake might not like to admit it or be confused by it, he is incredibly good at being a leader. That's why they yeah. kids, others look to him to do it. Yep. It's, uh, so one of the, it, it, it is a war story that Kay is trying to tell here and a war story showcasing the ways, the different ways that war has effects on people. And so like Jake and Rachel are the two people who can't leave the war behind. Right. Like they, they become new people during mm. the war in such a fundamental way that it changes who they are forever. And like they, they lose the ability to really think of themselves after the war. And it takes Jake mm. longer, um, to, to kind of come to that. But we're seeing, because he holds on to that idea of, I really, I just want to go back to being a regular ass kid. But Marco sees, like, that's not gonna happen, bud. Yeah, that uh, ship has sailed. <laughs> like, you're, that, that's just not in the cards for you, my man. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, go on. <sighs> Yeah, it, it's just, it's, it is part of what the, the story that they're telling here is that you have, you know, certain people who are going to be totally unable to pick themselves back up. Um, and, just, you know, I'll argue to on. the ends of the earth about how they end up t treating Rachel with like how she couldn't possibly go back to normal life. Like, mm. not just that it would be very hard or take a lot of therapy or uh, anything like she's that. She's done. But like, <laughs> that, yeah, she she's done. She has lived her best life in the war. And that's it. That That is her life. Um, I'm just... But thinking about the end of Lord of the Rings and how mm. Frodo goes west mm -hmm. because he can't go back mm -hmm. well, he, when he does he's just it's not the same he's not the person he was Sam is able to go back and like live his life and get married and have children and Frodo can't like Mary and mm -hmm. Pippin are also changed. If like, I mean, and to be fair, like it's not news to tell me about how like he might have hated allegory and stuff, but Lord of the Rings is entirely um, saturated with Tolkien processing trauma about the First World War mm -hmm. and how some people come back different, some people don't really come back at all. Um. Because yeah, Merry and Pippin end up taller than any other hobbit because of the and like the stuff they feet living with the ants for that little bit. And so mm -hmm. they're not really hobbits anymore. There's something else. 
But Frodo is so traumatized by his experience of being the ring bearer that he has to leave. Yeah. And that's again just another example of how the war can change us. And sometimes we can go back and live new lives, and sometimes we can't. Yep. Sometimes you're so changed that you can't, like, you don't fit back into what was. Yeah, there's that. Again, I'm just using Lord of the Rings now, not just because G rewatched it recently, but that moment where the four hobbits are sitting in the pub mm-hmm. and just life is going on around them and that realization they're having, they're just like, oh, this isn't our world anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. not to give Mr. Fuckboy Whedon any credit, what credit's due, but there's a line in uh, the movie Serenity that always stuck with me of um the operative who's just like talking about like making the world better and Mal's just like um, what that what are you gonna be doing in this new world and just like um, there's no place for me in that world. I'm a monster <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. my job to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And just that notion of fighting for a future that you know isn't gonna be yours mm-hmm. because in an ideal world it won't need you. Right. But hey, we got to go to the Chrysler building. Yeah. Um. So the the ending of this is just fucking the, weird. There's and- bad animorph book endings, and then there's this, which feels like <laughs> the emotional equivalent of falling down the stairs to read. Like what? Oh, oh, oh and now I'm at the bottom. Okay. How did I get here? <laughs> Don't think uh, about it. Yeah. So he's a falcon. He can- around. Go ahead. Yeah. He gets there. He's a falcon. Uh, at the top of the Chrysler building is uh, glowing and pulsing. Because um, the moon ray, they've given up calling it anything else. The moon ray <laughs> is energizing, including like the even the fucking gargoyles at the top of the Chrysler building are part of this. Um, and Jake's just like diving. Uh, as we know, the Peregrine Falcon fastest dive in the uh, in the bird world. Um, it's clearly going to do something. Um, spots Cassie um, strapped to a wall <laughs> on a ledge because reasons. Because um, damsel in distress. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, got to make it clear that the choice is there. And she's just like, smash the spire, smash the spire, answering in thought speak, even though she shouldn't be able to do that. And how can she even see him? No time to wonder. Don't acknowledge the plot holes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I put that in my nose. I was like, wait a second. Since when does this work? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but and how, like, where Cassie is, she'll be consumed by the ray. Uh, and she's just like, the smallest misalignment would have saved, well, let's smash the spire, do it now. Um, but indecision is like slowing his thoughts and his descent because he could tear her bonds and then she can take cover. She could survive. And she's just telling him to smash the spire. And even apparently the well-placed impact of a five-pound falcon traveling at top <laughs> speed could it's fuck this It's not even five up. pounds. Yeah, nah. Uh, two lives to save millions more. Um, 
And then Cassie is able to yank herself free and uh, leaps forward um, and is able to nudge. She slams into the bottom of the ray and it quakes minutely and, it, and the light dims and he's like, you did it. And she's like, no, I only must load an auxiliary stabilizer. The MacGuffin will be up and running in a few minutes. <laughs> um <laughs> and then the pa- a panel opens and she gets yanked inside. She's like, disable the main computers. Um, I, you can tell I'm being a little facetious. Um, but then she's pulled through and then there's a crack open, a scarlet slit, the only entrance to the Yerk fortress. And he has to like go full bank to like slip in through this tiny vertical opening, smacks into a wall, struggling to stay conscious. Um, and apparently there's the ed- the uh, red-tailed hawk is looking at him, stood on an eagle, uh, on one of the gargoyle eagles, telling him to demorph. Um, it's how it's not too late. Um, and he follows the sound of Cassie, like, struggling, um, and the building's vibrating as the moon ray powers up. Um... And he remorphs, he remorphs, he goes tiger. Um, since when he was a Siberian tiger, I don't know. Um, uh, but okay. It's always been, eh. it's always been Siberian tiger. Okay, I'll shut up. Um, the slams into a barrier, rips stuff off, uh, just causes all manner of property damage. Marco, is there, like, literally glaring down from a pedestal. <laughs> um, there's a fucking holographic display of the moon and the Chrysler building and the t- countdown ticking down. And Mark is like, don't even bother trying. Neither of you can do anything to stop this. In minutes, the moon will shine and strengthen only yurks. Um and a panel behind Cassie is open, and Marco's like, and to under, underscore the fact that I am evil and that you have to make a choice. We're going to throw Cassie out this window. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> He's like, to celebrate, we've decided to throw a terrorist from the sky. And it's like, there's track and beam fire going off. There's fighting. Dogs and cats living together. It's mayhem. Um, <laughs> but, Which, again, uh, throwing her off the roof would do fuck all normally mm-hmm. because she can just morph. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we get some... Basically, it's like Charles and Hercules. Jake is just fighting through. The to- clock is ticking down, ticking down. Um, and then she gets knocked out the window but then a hand crazily is reaching up and holding on she's not gone but in seconds she would be in seconds the moon ray would fire and it's just him clocking between these different things and then deciding between cassie and the world and he knows what he has to do no time for indecision i saw my goal saw what should be valued above all else i leaped five four next chapter Literally starts, all caps, interesting choice. <laughs> a strange voice, old and young, male and female, echoing in my mind like distant thought speak. It was not the Elemist. Just to make that really clear to the reader, it's a voice I've never heard. 
They have strangely segmented minds, conscious, unconscious, and ability to reconcile both. They will bear more study, these humans. And he wakes up because it was all a fucking dream. <laughs> uh-huh. And he rings Cassie. As he's like, uh, he's home, just like, oh, that's my Star Wars Episode 1 poster. That's my dirty clothes pile. <laughs> my bed. The smell of waffles. Um, he's no longer a beefcake. Um, <laughs> he calls Cassie. As mentioned, the Schwarzenegger thing is apparently history. Um, but he rings Cassie, and I'm just going to read out this last mm -hmm. chunk of the book. Come on, pick up. Answer. I wanted to hear a girl's voice, deep and young, cheerful and wise. My heart pounded. Bright sun washed my body. I moved my hand, a hand across my chest and felt my badge. I yanked it off. I looked. My fingers clutched air. I opened my fist. Nothing. Images still flashed through my mind. Dead Hawkbegeer towering above me. Orf manacling my wrists. David. A mind-blowing explosion. The howler. The strangely beautiful singing of children. The stench of those condemned to death. A mylar sheath feeding with the wind. The scarred faces and mangled bodies of old friends. Alfangor. Lightning. Rain. Slipping. Hello? Time stopped. Everything got extremely quiet, except for the pounding of my heart. I knew now. I'd made a choice. I knew what I was made of. My limitations and priorities. It's Jake, I said. No response. It's Jake, I said again, voice quaking like I'd never talked to her before. As if this were the first call I'd ever made. The only call that mattered. Cassie, I just wanted to ask what I should have asked you yesterday. Are you okay? And that's the ending of the book. Mm -hmm. I think for my personal sanity, um, hmm. I'm just going to say this was Krayak or the other uh, mm -hmm. Jester fucker. Uh, <laughs> what is his name? The droid. My evil, yes, my, my, my snide little bastard. I, yes. Who I adore and love in equal measures. Yes. Yeah. Just just for my sanity, that that it's one of them who did this because I don't hate like the uh, alien undergrads being really bad at anthropology angle. You don't like that? <laughs> I would like that if this was ever referenced again. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> bullshit. This is an excuse to do a weird, wacky dream sequence. Yeah. And I have to assume that this was like maybe being written simultaneously as Megamorphs 4. Mm -hmm. And like they didn't necessarily know it was going to be coming out directly after because I feel like somebody would have made a different choice mm -hmm. somewhere. Yeah, it's, um, let's see. This was published April 2000. Megamorphs 4 was also published April 2000. So now they I'm were... just imagining poor Ellen reading Megamorphs for like, oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> Why did you even give me this outline? <laughs> Couldn't give me a heads up? Come on! Uh, honestly, I think it makes more sense to me if everything, including these voices at the end, were a dream. Mm. 
Like, I feel like I would have more respect for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, because then it says something interesting about Jake's subconscious. Mm-hmm. And like where he fears everyone will go and yeah. the kind of pressures that he puts on himself. Um, mm-hmm. like I think that's interesting. Whereas yeah. random bullshit anthropology students from space is just doesn't make nah. any sense. Yeah, because it just does feel like a lazy tack on thing at the end to go. Yeah, it was a dream, but it wasn't really a dream, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. It was something more creative than that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they'd owned it being a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like given credit to somebody. Mm. Yeah. Like. <sighs> it's the one part of this book that I'm really just like, I hate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. But it's it's funny to me, because usually I hate with a fiery passion the, the like, oh, but it was all a dream bullshit. Mm-hmm. But, like, I wish that's what this was. <laughs> because The thing is, like, this being a dream and them owning it would at least actually be interesting, because we hear so much about the kids having nightmares. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, the notion of these, like, incredibly emotionally sensitive children and, like, Jake reeling with the guilt of seeing Cassie walk away crying and knowing that he was prepared to let Marco and Rachel sort their own shit out. Yep. Guilt does play on you. And then that weird interaction with Tom and the fear, Mm -hmm. like, all of that just making the right cocktail for this super weird fever dream Mm -hmm. that seemed to pull on his own memories of other stuff as well as being, like, full of weird stuff that could be from a movie Mm -hmm. like you said it's much more interesting if it is just a dream but like the notion of it being flavored like oh what if this is like somebody just in his head like "Mm, let's give this the weirdest dream we can Mm -hmm. oh this is gonna fuck him up so bad (laughs) (laughs) honestly like in in the in the framework of it all being a dream like you can even argue that the voices at the end would make sense then because he's had experiences with weird otherworldly beings just fucking with his shit that's true Mm. that is that is true (laughs) like it makes sense that would be something that his brain would include yeah oh so i'm just gonna headcanon that from now (laughs) on Fair. It was it was all literally just a dream the whole time. <coughs> uh, but right. also, what choice did you think you do you think he made? I feel like he probably uh, went to save everyone, and also probably died mm. because of the way he wakes up. Because I know from personal experience, when I have a nightmare and I die, I wake up immediately. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I think, I, I think he went to save everybody and like got like a dragon beam to the face or something. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. 
What do you think, Jade? I I think it's, better textually, I think it's written to make it clear that he didn't. It's a cop-out from the point of the writer so the reader can put whatever interpretation on it they think fits better. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fucking Schrodinger's ending. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It could have been one or the other. And we it's too soon to find out what Jake's choice was. Mm-hmm. Because it leaves it open for other things that can happen. Mm-hmm. I think, interestingly, in his dream, if I was to come down one side or another, in his dream, he's allowed to be selfish and save Cassie. I think so, too. See, I saw it the other way because mm-hmm. of the fact that uh, as soon as he wakes up, he calls Cassie. So I mm-hmm. was like, no, oh, that's good. he didn't save her. So now, like, he woke up and is feeling bad about not saving her. Let me call mm-hmm. her and check on her. That's a good point. Yeah, but this is what I mean about, like, it's designed for you to, for you, yeah. the reader, to take the choice that's more satisfying for you narratively. Mm-hmm. I don't hate that, honestly. Like, I don't hate that it's ambiguous and that the reader has to decide. Mm-hmm. Because I think I think it does encourage a level, at least for a child, it encourages mm. a level to of think like about it. Yeah, it makes you think about it, um, and think about like what your interpretation of these characters are, and what you think Jake would do, and also what you think you would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a trick these books have done before. Is we don't see mm-hmm. the choice being mm-hmm. made, right? Um, we just see the aftermath of it, or even it's about seeing what choice would be made, but we're never going to tell you what the choices are. Mm-hmm. Because if the books wanted to make a clear choice, because when Jake does make a shitty choice, we see it mm-hmm. yeah. because we need to be on his journey with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like that we've come at this ending going, well, this or this. And I think that maybe at talking it out with you guys, just like, yeah, nah, maybe this ambiguousness is actually a bug, is a feature, not a bug. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. We right. should move on. Do we have any discussion questions? Or just. Uh, our- I did not remember to ask the uh, Discord this time. We're great at this. Hey, Bella, you got any questions for us? Um, Let me put you on the spot. I know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't really think so. That's fine. None none that I can ask you yet. Mm We can just any? do a round table after the series is finished. Uh. Where people are just going to ask me questions. <laughs> so what just do you think about like... this past thing now? Yeah. <laughs> Jane reacts to the books with hindsight. <laughs> yes. And this can feel files special. There will uh-huh. be alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Well then, uh, let us do our rankings. Yes. 
uh, plot, such as it uh, is. <laughs> There's elements of it I find intriguing, but I feel like the execution is sloppy in a way that's not intended, and I shouldn't mm. have to work to fucking patch job stuff to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give it at six because there is solid stuff in there and i do like elements of the plot i just think as a whole it isn't very successful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's my hot take i think similarly like i this is one of the books that stuck with me for a while um partially because Jake book and that's my baby, but uh, there's a lot of good shit in here. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe two more weeks of editing or something mm. would have just mm. filled some of those holes and made it a little better. Um Yeah. But I think for what it is, it's like a solid seven. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect, but there's mm-hmm. for me enough good shit in here to outweigh the hand wavy mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think plot wise, for me, it's closer to like a five or a six. And then for characterization, mm-hmm. I think it gets a much oh, yeah. higher grade for me. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was about to say characterization, like. In a rare strike, there is nobody's characterization here I don't like. I think mm-hmm. there's some stuff that's maybe weaker. Obviously, we don't see Axe. We don't get a lot of Rachel. Mm-hmm. We don't really get actual Marco. Um, but the little beats with Rachel, the Cassie, the Cassie stuff is great. Um, even if, uh, some of the pre weird time is frustrating to read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nah, I'll give it a nine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I yeah. like War Hardened Tobias a lot. Me too. Mm. I also like the notion of fucking old man Hawk Tobias just flying around <laughs> being a Harvinger. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my shit. Like, mm-hmm. representation of, representative of fucking Jake's own self judgment. Yep. Because Jake yeah. blames himself for Tobias too. For yeah. Tobias being a hawk. Uh-huh. Nothing like the specter of your original fucking crime mm-hmm. as you see it. Mm-hmm. Just like following you around. It's almost like it's symbolic of something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I take media analysis seriously. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's very up there with characterization, uh, especially a lot of like the, uh, oh God, I just had the word and I lost it. Um, like introspection that we get mm-hmm. from Jake mm-hmm. that we haven't really gotten to this degree in a while. Yeah, mm. for sure. Yeah. It's to me, one of the better books when it comes to characterization for him. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they don't do him dirty for once. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, enjoyability? Oh, yeah. You said high, right? Do you have a yeah. number to give, or are you happy to move no, on? Just to the like nine-ish. In the nine area. Yeah. Nine-ish. Um, enjoyability slash satisfaction is so split, because the stuff I like, I really <laughs> like, but the stuff that pisses me off makes me so yeah. mad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will say, like, when I was reading it, I had a hard time taking notes because I was caught up in it. Um, mm-hmm. My first impression after reading it was like, that was fucking weird, but I definitely didn't hate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because there have been books I have hated. Yeah. Uh, and this wasn't that. I think most of my frustration with it was like to what you were saying earlier, but it's just like, this could have been amazing. And mm-hmm. I hate that it wasn't. Like, I was rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think this also ranks fairly high for me for, like, enjoyability, if I can ignore all of the shit I don't <laughs> like. Um, because, like, this okay. book starts at 10, and it doesn't really ever slow down. This is true. Yeah. Like, it is a, yeah, one of sometimes- the more fast-paced books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of them feel really contrived with how they're trying to keep a fast pace, but this, like, legit kind of felt earned in the same way it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's, it, go, it moves at a clip. Mm-hmm. And you get your little breathing moments, and then we're off again. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Yeah. Uh, what Ending was questions? your favorite part? I think think for me, it's the, uh, uh, Jake and Tobias conversation Mm -hmm. before he realizes that it's Tobias and not actually Elfangor. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. he's just like, fuck you for doing this. Fuck everything you stand Mm -hmm. for. Uh, I hate everything. And it's just so good to me. Mm hmm. (laughs) Mm hmm. Yep. He's allowed to be a kid in the face of an adult. Yeah. Because mm. in in this dream, Tobias is also an adult. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also my favorite part is is that him and Tobias scene. Although the the battle at the beginning and the aftermath of it is also really good. Mm. Yeah. Um also like I really dig the Elfang, uh, the El- Tobias Jake scene. Um, and I like it. I like it after the turn when it's mm-hmm, Tobias. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, actually, this is me now. Yeah. Um, because there's that, I just look, cause it's so Tobias mm-hmm. in a way that I find really satisfying. Yeah. Um, Ellen Giroux gets also, Tobias. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to give a shout out because of who I am as a person. Um, the fucking knowing that they are in a fucking theater around like Midtown and Jake running around in the flies dropping shit. Mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> My theater kid heart sinks. Like, yes. <laughs> mm. Because also, I love the, how cinematic that is and the reveal yeah. of Cassie, mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. Cassie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, there are so many like 
cool like um like actors around right now um who could play that and i'm just like mm, yeah good shit <laughs> um honestly if this uh like they ever like reboot the tv series i would give my left leg for the original actors to come back and like reprise oh, the older characters that'd be pretty dope hmm. i mean even though they're like 40s now but i i would just i would love it <laughs> partially because a lot of them just stopped acting mhm mhm all right uh anything surprising or catch you off guard i suppose for both of you like catch you off guard on the reread like oh dang i think for me like the 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 shit that did make sense like the random black hole bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that like weird hand wavy sci-fi shit I fully did not remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I What about you, Danielle? I had mostly replaced the events of this book with uh Darren the Mad Scientist, uh, fucking. So, um, Darren the Mad Scientist, who I've brought up before, currently Derek the Scarlet Pescatarian, whatever, um, wrote the, the, um, rationality AU with Cassie as a rationalist, um, similar to the, uh, very famous Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, uh, uh, AU. Um, Basically, you just dial up Cassie's logic to 11, um, and it changes everything a lot. Uh, and mm-hmm. you make, you have to make everybody else a little bit smarter too to go with it. Um, but the way that they wrote this concept, they, they wrote what is essentially a, uh, an alternomorphs. Oh, fun. That there was like choose your own adventure. So like when you got to the end of a chapter, you would then have to choose which next chapter you go to kind of deal. And the only way to get to the ending was to break, literally break out of the, the cycle and go to a mm. chapter that you hadn't been to and hadn't been directed to. Like it was fucking brilliant. Um, <laughs> Shout out to fan creators, like mm, honestly, yes. incredible. Um, but I had replaced most of this with the events with that. of that, and so when it happened here, I was like, "That's not how I remembered it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I think for me, just like. In terms of surprising, because I was surprised how hard it went. No, I'm not. At this point, I cease to be surprised by how hard animals will go. <clears throat> um, but how much of a, how cinematic I think it felt and how it felt very like referencing of a lot of movies I know mm-hmm. in a good way. Like I enjoyed that element of it. And for a series that's prone to the odd pop culture reference, um, this actually felt like a payoff. Like, 
which is why I think I was building so much on the it being a dream because this feels like stuff Jake's pulled from movies he's seen in a way mm-hmm. that I found very interesting. Um, so, yeah. Uh, number three, we have pulled this to shreds about what doesn't <laughs> make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We've, we've been doing done that. Um, you know our thoughts at this point. <laughs> um, is it essential animorphs reading? No. Is it essential animorphs reading if Jake is your son? Mm, yes. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Even if only for the decision at the very beginning, because, like, fuck. Well, even if only for, like, the characterization. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is one of the best books that he gets as far as characterization goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that a lot. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a, it's a yes, but only for those reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say in terms of overarching plot, no, except for like the odd beats. Like, mm-hmm. like Danielle said, that opening decision. And knowing that like everyone was present for it as mm-hmm. well, which I, I like uh, the notion that could be ramifications for that. But I think uh, unless you're invested in Jake, I don't think it's essential, though I would recommend it as a read because of the characterization. Unlike mm-hmm. certain books, I'm like, don't read it. Just listen to our episode while we shit all over it. <laughs> this one, I would say, I think this one's worth the read even with the frustrating elements, which is certainly yeah. something I can't say about every book I've read in this series. Yeah. Absolutely. It's still fun. Yes. The, as I said, the good stuff really does shine. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, All right. We are significantly over time, even though <laughs> we, uh, uh, start, we did start a bit late, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Don't be. Thank you so much for joining us. This was great. Yeah, I hope we didn't do your boy too dirty. Uh, not this time. No, not this time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just imagining Bella's shit list, and there's just like a series of tallies next to Jane Danielle doing it. (laughs) Get to the end of an episode. Okay, no sins today. All right, so they've been hacking my phone. Got it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, can people find you uh, online anywhere there or like follow your yeah, um, plug your stuff endeavors? Yeah, talk about what you do. Absolutely, I love talking about myself. Um, <laughs> you can find me on pretty much any social media at uh, the Bellatrix or some variation uh, with two X's because one is boring and. Three is dirty. Uh, I also run my own uh, actual play version of uh, Idiot Teenagers mm-hmm. uh, called Mighty Morphin Teenagers. It's great. It's, I mean, it's all right or whatever. Um, <laughs> I've been told it's very fun. It's very stupid. Uh, it's very chaotic. Um. There's, I think, like 15 episodes out now or something like that. Uh, we took a small break because I got cast in a musical and that took up every ounce of my time. <laughs> um, but we're going to get back to it soon. 
Uh, I also have a long backlog of episodes that are being edited because I was the only one doing it for a long time. And that shit is hard. It is. Mm. Yeah. When you have five players. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. It's a lot. Um, but yeah, check that out. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitch where I stream a bunch of video games and people scare me for money. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. My co host has been Danielle. I'm getting in there first. Ha ha. Okay. Um, <laughs> you can find them online at Red Tailed Hawk 90. And you should check out their home podcast of The Room Where It Happened if you aren't already doing so. They are currently in their uh, third season, uh, mm-hmm. Elder County, Tennessee, Urban Shadows. Um, if you want your urban fantasy a little more rural and with an Appalachian flavor, you should check it out. Uh, it's got a Wicked Faction game, uh, some great characters, some awesome players on both sides. It's just incredible work from the group over at Roomware, as always. Thank you. Uh, and my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on the internet at Jade Oxford Rose, and you can find their home podcast, Follow the Leader, at FTLcast on Twitter. Uh, they are getting ready to start releasing a between-season Pathfinder special. Uh wherein uh, Jade is playing perhaps the cutest little gremlin goblin I've ever seen. Uh, and it promises to be a very cool romp. All of the folks at FTL, and especially Jade, do phenomenal character work. Uh, and uh, Zachary Fredrick- Fredrickson is going to be GMing, and he does great world-building shit. Uh, so it's going to be a phenomenal time. You should definitely check it out. Uh, and if you aren't already, uh, start listening to Dumb Kids Playing Hero. Um, it, you can find it on Twitter at DKPHpod. We are in the middle-ish of our third and final season. Uh, jump, jump in. And we, uh, just did a recording of a side game. that, As this says, should be starting the same week. You should mm-hmm. check it out. It's fun. Yep. It's, uh, it's gonna be great. Love to, uh, rub my dirty gremlin hands all over Animorphs Cannon. <laughs> it's ours now. Uh, it is ours now. Um, cool. All right. All right. Until next time. Until next time, let's do a clap. Let's do a clap. At 20? 20. 20. 20.